Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella, so go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is Sode number 185, the Arden Key double-cheeked up in the background while they interviewed D-Hop about his ankle of Sodes. Shout out to Arden Key's cheeks. I've seen more of Arden Key than I've seen of most of my friends, and um, I have never once met Arden Key. Um, that was probably one of the funnier things over the last two weeks. And honestly, something that I wish would come out this week because I could use the laugh after Sunday's performance. Maybe it was a tr- one right now. It could have been a tribute to Jarrell Casey, who was in the house against the Chargers, you know, show, showing a little crack for the camera. Yeah, the butt crack. We missed we missed that butt crack so much. Uh, thank you for that so title. That one comes via Jordan Lowry at Titan Dad underscore four. At Titan Dad underscore four. Shout out, Jordan. Thank you for the so title. If you would like to submit a so title, just tweet at us at Titan Up Pod, or you can always uh, DM us on Instagram at Titan Up Podcast on there. Give us something uh, obscure about the Titans that you think would be funny, and we will name our sode that. This is a it's I I this is a rough week. None of us really even want to talk about the Titans because we're so annoyed. We're very frustrated, but you can be frustrated and annoyed with us. Jack and I are going to do our best to break down the game. We bring on our buddy Justin Mello to do that as well. He obviously crushes it. He is one of our favorite guests because he is just so intellectual and he brings some smartness to a podcast that doesn't have much of that at all. In fact, we <laughs> I'll admit we don't have any of that at all. Uh it is like it is like Albert Einstein eating lunch with honey boo boo is basically what I would describe today's so. Um so it, we of course have our honey boo boo in that analogy. I don't know man, a uh, honey boo boo knows ball. That's what I've heard. <laughs> honey boo boo. Well, look, honey boo boo probably knows how to play left tackle better than uh most Looking at you, Andre Dillard. All right, look, we'll get into that, into the sode. But before we get into all of that, let's first get a word from our friends at Relax the Back. The Relax the Back team sets out every day to help people in the Nashville area work better, live better, and feel better. And if you're like me and you struggle with insomnia and posture issues, then trust me when I tell you that this is the place for you. In their showroom, they have custom office chairs, massage chairs, X chairs that are designed to fight neck and back pain, zero gravity technology. They've also got Technogel and Tempur-Pedic pillows and mattresses. It'll make you feel like you're sleeping on a cloud, people. And the best part is when you go in, 
you get to test it out all yourself. You can lay in everything, sit in everything, go upside down on whatever you want, get your free massage. Whatever you need, Relax the Back has it for you. So go check them out. They're located at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Nashville, Tennessee. It's over in Green Hills, right by Hillsborough High School. Um, if you don't live in Middle Tennessee or you're not able to get there in person, don't worry. They keep it up to date on their website. You can find out everything that they have in that showroom on their website at stores.relaxtheback.com slash Nashville and start feeling better today. When you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. And with that, all that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm sucking cold prison. What is up, Flamehats? Welcome to the Titan Up Podcast. Today is September 27th, 2023. And what does it even really matter anymore? Honestly, like, what? Who cares? It's just Why? another day in the simulation. Life is just a meaningless void that we wander until we ultimately croak and enter the afterlife. And I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, time is the flat circle. And the aliens are coming. I, I wish they would come sooner. The only thing I can think about when I think back to Sunday afternoon 94 yards, 94 yards, 94 yards. If the Titans started with the ball on the one yard line, they wouldn't have even scored a touchdown, which kind of fits with the <laughs> afternoon. Titans didn't gain an entire football field worth of yardage offensively on Sunday. Just on insane in insane performance. I think if you put the Alabama Crimson Tide or insert team here, Ohio State maybe, I don't know, insert college football program, that they would have been able to put up at least 100 yards on the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Now, look, this is not a... Um, I, I, I do want to give the Browns their flowers. Because the Browns, I think, and I, I I said this last week on the pod. In fact, this was my big concern on the pod last week. Was it not, Jack? I was concerned about going up against that Jim Schwartz defense. Yeah. I knew who Jim Schwartz is. I know the kind of defenses he coaches. And very clearly, we saw that firsthand on Sunday. He is a, he, Jim Schwartz is what I think a lot of us think Mike Vrabel is. He is a defensive mastermind when it comes to coaching up teams. Every defense he has ever coached has gotten better under his coaching. He, he's not a great head coach. Don't get me wrong here. He's not a great head coach. But he has Peter principled his way to the top-minded defensive mind in any football franchise. And teams are better when he is around. Look at the Titans last year. He was on this staff last year. The Titans defense was pretty good, holding the, the freaking Kansas City Chiefs of all offenses to 20 points in overtime. I I just think that Jim Schwartz got one over on the Titans and they completely dominated defensively yeah. 
against an offense that has many, many issues, most of which we will get to with Justin Mello a little bit later. Yeah, so like I I don't know that Jim Schwartz and Mike Vrabel are an apples-to-apples comparison there, but I I, I guess I see what you're saying. Look, all the people that said Jim Schwartz wouldn't matter this week were wrong, and though we'll probably never know what they went over in team meetings or – you know, what the game plan looked like inside Cleveland's locker room. Jim Schwartz sold out to stop Derrick Henry. He had one mission on the day. Derrick Henry's not doing jack. And for most of the afternoon, Derrick Henry was met behind the line of scrimmage by a Browns defender. Only mustered up 20 yards on 11 carries. He sold out to stop the run, and he also knew where to attack to, to attack on the Titans' offensive line. Andre Dillard wasn't here last year when Schwartz was in the building. But he sure exploited that matchup. Dillard gives up three more sacks, runs his total up to six on the year, which is half of what Dennis Daly had in 15 starts last year. So that's the pace we're setting, which is dangerous. Now, I understand water usually finds its level. But when is that going to happen? Against the Bengals defense that the entire nation just saw dominate a a Rams offensive line? They had Stafford and hell all game. It's got to happen sooner than later. And if Skaronsky isn't able to get back in the lineup, I, I just don't see this getting any better. Honestly, I wish my appendix was removed um, because that's how I felt on Sunday. I just just terrible stomach pains all day long watching this Tennessee Titans team play football. And I to bounce off of your point uh, about Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry carried the football for 11 times on Sunday. He averaged negative 2.3 yards before contact per carry on six of those 11 carries. Okay. Meaning on average, Derrick Henry was hit seven feet behind the line of scrimmage versus the Browns. That tweet comes via uh, a to Z sports courtesy of next gen stats. That is absurd that is insane that the the fact that you can't you give the 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 football to in my opinion still the best running back in the league but he's not able to do anything it's like if you were playing a seven on seven and you handed off the ball to derrick henry he would probably see the same results of being touched in the backfield the way he was on sunday behind a full offensive line i i don't have fun on sundays anymore I, I don't. I We had a lot of like fun this. last Sunday. I Okay, sorry. Let me rephrase that. I haven't had fun in nine of the last ten <laughs> yeah, Sundays funny. watching the Titans play football. And even, even Sunday against the Chargers, the Week 2 win, it took overtime. That was very close. This team is very close to being 0-3 on the season. And... In two of those three games, this team has failed to even get into the end zone. So, like, if you have any Titans on fantasy, which if you do, you need to be checked into a, an asylum very yeah. quickly. You but you got to pay, pay that buy-in now. It's not like this team is, like, losing close or losing pretty. Like, it's it's been a nightmare well, whenever this team close. has the football. They lost close to New Orleans, and they are one and two, and they're not zero and three, which is important because of these first six games. You you've got the Bengals this week, the Colts the following, and then the Ravens in London. And we said two and four is like okay with Mike Herndon, didn't we agree that two and four uh, you can work with that? One and five you can't. 
The good news is they have one already. And you've got a hobble Joe Burrow coming to town. Then you've got the Colts after that, without uh, maybe without Jonathan Taylor. We'll see if he comes back. And then you got the Ravens without J.K. Dobbins. Like the, the Titans have had a, a schedule that's set up for success just based on who the other team was missing. The Browns, I, I thought that they would come in reeling after Nick Chubb goes down, but that seemed to have motivated them in a way. And they came out and played for their leader, who who will not be playing for the rest of the season, and dominated the <laughs> Titans in all three phases. Deshaun Watson put together his best performance uh, this season against the Titans, fittingly. Probably and since he's been back, right? Since, yeah. Since he's I, made his return, that was the best he's played. I would agree. And that includes him throwing the football 20 yards backwards and the <laughs> Titans on the very next play, giving up a penalty to give up a first down. And, you know, I'm not even concerned about the defense. I, with, when, with the, uh, as you call them, the Bengals coming to town this weekend, <laughs> I'm not concerned with if Joe Burrow puts up 400 yards passing. I'm not because I think the Titans can win a game with, Joe Burrow throwing for 400 yards. I they've proven that before. This is a, a the Titans have like a bend don't break defense, and um, even if they give up 20 some points, like that doesn't worry me. What worries me is this offense not being able to do anything. But it, like, and going back to the defense, Christian Fulton. I mean, if he plays like he did on on Sunday. I think the Titans can win despite Christian Fulton putting together that type of performance if they could do anything offensively, but they're not able to do so. And when I talk about Christian Fulton, that's of course uh, he he's giving up a perfect quarterback rating to quarterbacks. Yeah. Whenever he is targeted a rough afternoon, including the missed uh, touchdown, which I mean, honestly, I'm not even going to fault him for the Amari Cooper touchdown because at that point the game was over. It didn't matter. It was icing on the cake for Browns fans. You know, when you're on like a long road trip and maybe like the gaslight pops on, you know, maybe a quarter way through, halfway through, or maybe low tire pressure comes on the dashboard. You've got to put some air in those tires. Well, you're worrying about those two things already while you're driving. The Titans are worrying about, you know, a handful of issues right now. The offensive line play, the quarterback play. Can the receivers hold on to a pass for one week? Um, hey, you, we're talking to you, Traylon Burks. My you've already goodness. Got, you've already got those lights on your dashboard. So you're, you're worried about those, but then all of a sudden your steering goes out. A pr- an unexpected problem arises. That's what Christian Fulton has been for this Titans secondary. You came into the season counting on him, hoping that he would have a solid season, at least at a, you know an average to slightly above average level outside on, the, uh, outside on receivers. You mentioned it, 158.3 passer rating. That's perfect. He's been targeted eight times, given up seven catches for 165 yards and a touchdown. So when you already have to make up for all these other issues and and then this gets thrown to the to the top of the the grocery list you can't fix everything in one week, you know. It, yeah. It's too difficult in this league. You're not going to be able to mask all of these problems. It's kind of a one at a time thing. And until Fulton can turn it around, I, I just don't think the Titans are in a position to win, you know, a whole lot of these games before the bye and we talked in the offseason about how it's awesome that the Titans have two players in Kevin Byard and Jeffrey Simmons that are at like the top of their positions, right? Like if they're not one or two, they're three. And if they're not one, they're probably two, honestly, with both of those guys. Well, right now, through three weeks of the season, the Titans have two players who are at the bottom of their positions. One is Christian Fulton, the worst passer rating allowed when targeted. The other is Andre Dillard, who leads the NFL with six sacks allowed. 
you which can't overcome we, that. Before we get to Andre Dillard, because I've got some thoughts there. Uh, I think the person who should be most angry at Christian Fulton for playing so poorly this year, not Mike Vrabel, not even us Titans fans. I think it's got to be uh, Keith Fulton. Christian's older brother, owner of the trenches boutique, former uh, partner with man. the pod, bad business, bad business. If Christian's going to play that poorly, he's going to be like, look, I, I, this is not good for, well, I will the say shop. on behalf of the trenches, the, the store is, is, is amazing, even though they're not a partner anymore, the store is amazing. And Christian Fulton's play will not, you know, change that, but well, let's I, hope it, not. It, there is a concern there because are you going to bring Fulton back next year? If this continues, the answer is no. It's bad. It's a bad year to put together such a bad year when you're, when you're, it's a contract season for him. And like, this is the year you want to play at your absolute best, but my man is not going to get a deal from anyone. I mean, look, maybe the plus side is you could maybe get him back for cheap, but that's only if you even want him him back. Right. And like the, the franchise tag comes into play as well for some of these guys, but if Derrick Henry, you know, has a Derrick Henry like season, I could imagine they'd slap that on him. You yeah. know, so there's only one franchise tag to go around. So everybody in their contract here right now needs to not leave a shadow of a doubt for this Titans front office if they want to be back next season. Yeah. And Christian Fulton's leaving a very large shadow. But let's get to the man that you mentioned earlier, number 71 in your playbook, but much lower in your hearts, Mr. Andre Dillard. My man's look, I want to like Andre Dillard. I want to, I, this is not a Dennis daily where I'm willing to put the weight of the Titans failures on his shoulders, but he's getting close and he's getting, he got a lot closer on Sunday. I will say this. Miles Garrett is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. With that said, Miles Garrett, I think is not as good as Andre Dillard make him look on Sunday, what do you end up with a uh, two and a half sacks, three and a half on... sacks, a four, three fumble. and a half sacks. Awesome. Yes. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Grand. Um, <laughs> Andre Dillard made him look a lot better than he is. But with that said, Miles Garrett is still one of the best pass rushers in the sport. But Andre Dillard, what the hell dude, what the hell he said after the game to, uh, our uncle uh, from last week, Buck Rising, that Miles Garrett gave him pointers, gave him critiques after the game. Why does it always have to be? A, why second. does it always have to be a Titans left tackle that does shit like this? Like the Lawan apology, the thank you for kicking my ass, Chandler Jones. Yeah, and, and, and now it's Andre Dillard. They just rotate and continue to do the same idiotic stuff. I it, it, you, get your, you get your ass handed to you that bad that Miles Garrett feels bad enough to say, dude, look, here's what yeah. you got to clean up because dude. you're going to be out of a job. Yeah, you sucked. You know, that'd be like Michael Jordan going up to a player after the game being like, look, here's how to dribble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you mean to tell me you your one job you can't do? That Absolutely absurd. I think Austin Stanley had one of my favorite takes from the weekend. He tweeted out that... Uh, basically, to paraphrase his tweet, the NFL is doing everything in their power to help offenses be better, score more points, gain more yards, 
every rule in the playbook is being altered and fixed to help offenses. And yet the Titans still somehow roll out and make offense look like it is the hardest thing possible to accomplish. Like gaining yards, scoring touchdowns is in insanely difficult in a league that is doing everything in their power to make it as easy as possible. It is mind boggling to me that here we are like now in the, I, I, I would say the third straight season of inept offensive football. And now that's not full. That's not fully fair because the, the offense was still pretty good three seasons ago. And it's just slowly gotten worse every year since then. But that's the thing. It's gotten worse. And this year, again, 94 yards, 94 yards on Sunday. It's absurd. And a large part of that is because I don't even want to, if you want to pin week one on Ryan Tannehill, I will very gladly pin that loss which, on Ryan Tannehill. It, it should be pinned on Ryan Tannehill. It should be pinned on Ryan Tannehill. You cannot pin Sunday on Ryan Tannehill. You can't pin that on yeah. Derrick Henry. You can't pin that on anyone but those five men up front who could not stop a nosebleed. I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, we had to grade the quarterback's performance after every game on the Titans postgame show. And it, it, we asked the chat, you know, what, what did, what's Tannehill's grade today after the loss to the Browns? And there were a few incompletes in the chat. And I tend to agree with those answers. Because how can you judge a quarterback who has zero time to throw, whose running back is getting hit seven feet behind the line of scrimmage? I mean, Derrick Henry, you, even on his bad run, will fall forward for two yards. Well, if he falls forward seven seven feet behind the line of scrimmage, he's still losing yards, you know? So life is tough on Tannehill, and it, it's not getting made any easier. However, I, I think it's I think it's time to, um, you know, you know, when a team shows up flat in all three areas, who do you point to when you when you can't point to really just any one thing in particular? I think you got to point to the head coach. I think the Titans were ill prepared this week. I, I think they were outplayed. They certainly were dominated just about all over the field. So if your team's not ready to play, if your team can't get off the bus against yeah. a winnable game against a team yeah. that you've seen and had some physical fights with, you know, in the in the past few years. What the hell are we doing here? It, it, like the Browns are not the world beaters that you're going to see in Kansas City and in Buffalo and even in Miami right now. Like, they're the Cleveland Browns. They're a team you can get any week, but to look like that against them, yeah, it's so disheartening. It's deflating. Look, I'm not going to say Mike Vrabel's on the hot seat, but I will say this: the Bunsen burner is plugged in. Oh, okay. you think it is? I don't. Even I think, think it's. it's I in. think it's plugged in. I don't think it's turned on. But I think we have plugged it in. I think he's got so many, so many escape routes that the offensive line stinks. Oh, we'll move on from Tannehill then. Oh, you know, the secondary's got to improve. Honestly, I I don't I don't care. Like if you if you lose nine out of ten weeks, if you lose like he he's he, he was he was blessed by that losing streak, by but this streak that the Titans are currently on, he was blessed by the offseason that the offseason split that up. Otherwise, we're looking at nine losses in 10 straight games. Yeah. Which which the it was a historical collapse last year, which should not be injuries or not. That should not be that that cannot be held against him. I'm not again, I'm not calling for the firing of of Mike Vrabel. I I'm not. 
But I am saying the Bunsen burner is plugged in because if this continues, if this continues, it's on him because if you want to, if you want to chalk it up to a position, okay, who are the position coaches hired by? Mike Vrabel. Well, and that's the thing. No, Mike Vrabel is not willing to look outside of the organization to make his hires. And and when they fired John Robinson, they kind of, in a way, with, without saying it, they said, okay, Vrabel, personnel, you're going to have a bigger say in. Well, who knows this roster better than anyone at season's end last year? It's the head yep. coach, Mike Vrabel. So to not address some of these issues properly, like Andre Dillard is not a, a, a proper way to address a gap at left tackle. Andre Dillard was coming off the bench for the Eagles last year. You didn't sign a starter. You signed a former first round draft pick because you thought you could find something in him that the Eagles couldn't. The Eagles, who arguably had the best coaching staff in the NFL last year. Like that that's not seriously going out there and fixing something. That's that's hoping and praying. And hoping and praying isn't going to be good enough for this Titans team. They got to go out there and find dudes. They've been able to find a dude on the offensive line and in years. I, I just think back uh, and it, 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 it honestly, Jack, it makes my blood boil. It makes my blood boil. And, and I, we knew this was going to happen at some point. I didn't think it would happen this early in the season, but we even said it the, on the podcast after it happened. When the Tennessee Titans took Will Levis in the second round and Mike Vrabel, and Rand Carthon turned to the camera in the room and just waved, gave that, gave that, yeah, high haters wave. That to me pisses me off now more than ever because the Titans went and got a Will Levis when they didn't need a Will Levis. Let's think about it. Will Levis hasn't I been disagree. active. That just let me finish. Will Levis has not been active for a game this season. Which means Malik Willis, the guy they got two seasons ago, is still better than Will Levis. So why are we why are we still drafting? Why are we going trading up in the second round again to get a quarterback when there's clearly other holes that need fixed? Why did they not get more depth on the D, on the offensive line, uh, uh, which has been abysmal this season? Why why like? They went out and they went and they got a need that wasn't even a need. And when when they could very easily have gone into the draft this year and gone and gotten their quarterback or whatever they needed to do, it was it it was it was it was them being smug and pompous in, in like they're in that wave, and I did not like it, and I knew eventually that that was probably going to bite us in the ass. And then we would be looking back at that clip and getting angry. And here I am three weeks into the season and I'm already angry. Now, again, I, just, it's a long, I think it's, it's too a early. long season. It's, it's too early to be upset season. with that pick. You, you can't and, grade that pick yet. Hey, I'm, I'm not grading the Will Levis pick. I'm just grading the, the smugness that they had in not using that pick. I, again, I'm not, I'm not, downplaying the fact that they got will levis i'm not uh, what i'm downplaying is the fact that they didn't use that high of a draft pick for someone that they truly needed and right now it's showing that they need depth on that offensive line and they did not go out and get it yeah it, well, at least not a, until later they, they drafted a left tackle but the problem was they saw him as a left guard you know 
And we've only had one game of him being out there. Obviously, a freak appendix, you know, situation pops up. But like the Levis thing, I'm not even really mad about. I, I think that there's still a chance for him to become good. And, you know, just by Vrabel saying, oh, well, we don't know who the backup quarterback is right now because Will Levis hasn't been, you know, out there. That tells me that they want Levis to be the backup quarterback. But can he lead this team next year or the year after whenever he's required to do so? I don't know. I will say that drafting a quarterback in the second round feels like Mr. Right now, as opposed to finding Mr. Right when you could do that in the first round. Like if you want to, if you want to stop having drafts where you waste second, third round picks on quarterbacks, go out there and draft one in the first round. Make sure you get the right guy. That way you can build around him. Right now, you're just you're just bringing in just guys. I mean, you're bringing in guys and hoping that one of them works. That's, I think you got a draft of the plan, and they haven't done that. But we have all offseason. That, that, that was, I know, draft. I know, that was just such a John Robinson move. And I, and yeah, I don't, I didn't mean to steer us off course into freaking draft talk. Uh, obviously, I'm just, I'm just very frustrated, very angry. I think a lot of Titans fans will, uh, whether you agree with me on on my stance or not, I, I think we all can agree on one thing: we're all pissed off, and it is very frustrating. Because this team should be better than what they showed on Sunday. But on Sunday, they showed us that they cannot compete with... I mean, if you can't compete with the Browns, who are probably, what, the third best team in the NFC North? Like, what the hell do we have to look forward to this offseason? Like, what what is the fix? And we'll, we're going to get into it with Justin Mello here in just a little bit. Um, ask him, like... What positives do we have to look at? Because right now it looks bleak and it looks, eh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in a dark space, obviously, as I think, as I think this is obvious to tell. If you can't tell, like I, I can't even get my, my thoughts straight, which is, I mean, I never can, but especially this week. And yeah, let's just get to Justin Miller, who's much smarter than than uh, both of us combined, especially myself. Uh, but before we do, let's get a word from our friends at BetMGM. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z sports and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued as is knowledge bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789. This week, we're joined by one of the busiest men in Nashville. He seems to be everywhere all of the time. Omnipresent Justin Mello of the Draft Draft Network. You can find his work on Broadway, TN, as well as Music City Miracles. He has his own podcast called the Music City Audible, which you could find. He runs it with Titans Film Room. Uh, it's, It's a Broadway, Tennessee production there. Justin, we've got so much to talk about, obviously coming off a big time loss, but First and foremost, we're just happy to have you here this week. 
Pleasure's all mine, boys. We've got a big game coming up here against the Bengals. Week four, Titans one and two. Certainly don't want to fall to one and three, right? Certainly not a good place to be. So it's a big one coming up here this weekend. Uh, J- Justin, is there um, is there one positive thing we can take away from Sunday? Like even a single one. I know I'm not a, it's kind of a tough ask, but is there anything that you thought the Titans did well? Uh, none of them died. Like I thought that that was good. I, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that. That's a good Starting point. to feel a whole lot better about that game. Yeah, yeah. They all made it through the game. I lot of, I had fun. I hope, right. Like they're just, no, I'm yeah. trying to search for the minor victories here and tough to find. Right. I mean, I thought a couple of guys, you know, I, I, Daniel Brunskill continues to play well for them at right guard. Uh, I thought Chris Hubbard outside of the one sack that he gave up in the, in the fourth quarter, uh, I thought he played. I think that was right before the viral Miles Garrett play, where they had two fans following him around. I, I thought Chris Hubbard played fairly well. Continues to play good for them and spot duty at right tackle. Um, it, it was one of those weird games where, and I, I, I probably shouldn't even mention that you can't say that he played well per se, but one of those weird games where, like, if you did the box four and you saw the starting quarterback was like thirteen of twenty four for a hundred passing yards, you're like, oh, and the quarterback was bad. I didn't come away from that Ryan Tannehill was bad, right? It just kind of felt like everything else let him down. Uh, was certainly a lot different in week one, right? Where uh, he was certainly to blame for that defeat. So no, not a lot of positive, even defensively, right? Like they didn't get enough pressure on the quarterback. They let Deshaun Watson wiggle uh, out of their grasp a couple of times. Watson played the best game he's played since joining the Browns. Sort of looked like vintage Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. The corners really, really struggled. Well, we, we Christian Fulton with a coverage breakdown there in the fourth quarter. Like, no, mm. not a lot of positive takeaways, if any, from that one. So let's start on, I guess, the defensive side of the ball. You just hit on Christian Fulton, and, you know, he's had a horrendous start to his 2023 season, and this is a guy the Titans are counting on to really take that next step and, you know, hopefully have some have a sense of security moving forward, and maybe even he shows enough to get brought back. But so far, I mean, when he's been targeted, 7 of 8, 165 yards and a touchdown, he's allowing quarterbacks to pass for a perfect – 158.3 passer rating what's the fix outside explosive plays continue to bite the titans in the worst times and we saw a coverage breakdown from aziz al shair in the end zone that allowed a jerome ford touchdown we saw amari cooper eating all day long down that left sideline what if fulton isn't working what's plan b i'm gonna say something that's probably a bit unpopular but i'm gonna go with it anyway I don't think he's been quite as bad as those numbers indicate. And I saw them kind of floating around Twitter yesterday and everyone was hopping on them. But, um, and look, this is still his fault, but when you want to talk about the majority of the yardage, it looks so much worse. There are two plays that come to mind for me. Uh, It's the bust, right? He had a coverage bust in that game that led to the final Browns touchdown. I think that was Amari Cooper, right? That got behind him on the mm-hmm. coverage bust. Mike Vrabel assigned blame to him. It was him and Amani Hooker that looked like they kind of got caught, got their signals caught. Hooker got behind them for a long touchdown. Vrabel flat out came out and said that was uh, Fulton's coverage bust. He's got to be covering them. So there's that play. And there's the one, if you remember, against the New Orleans Saints on the final possession where the Saints were able to move the ball and take a knee and run out the clock. I think it was a, it might have even been a third down or it was at least the second down. When he got beat by a uh, God, I can't even remember the Saints receiver's name. Raheem Shahid, 
Yeah, Rashid Shahid, exactly. Yeah, so he got behind him, and 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 credit the Saints. And Fulton talked about it after the game. Fulton was playing the sticks as you're kind of taught to do in that situation, right? Like you don't expect the Saints to go out there and run a, a sort of deep developing passing play as they're just trying to pick up a first down and take the knee. So Derek Carr, he went to the sideline. He asked them to take a deep shot. So he runs, he hits the pump fake. Fulton jumps up thinking we're playing the sticks here. We got to get a stop and it's a pump and the receiver gets behind him for a long gain. So, you, you know, you take, and I, and look, those plays happened, right? So I hate saying you take those two plays out of the equation, but I, I do feel we need to add context to the Fulton numbers because the eye test doesn't tell me he's been as bad as everyone's piling on. He certainly has been great, but he's not playing at a level where, you know, they've got to bench him. I don't think you've got to, it's, a, yeah. it's not an Andre Dillard situation where you got to say, well, they got to get Trey Avery into this lineup or Anthony Kendall and put Christian Fulton on the bench. No, I don't think it's quite been that bad, but certainly the coverage busts uh, and really just that one against Cooper, you can't have stuff like that. And uh, he's got to bounce back from it. So it's not an Andre Dillard situation as you brought up. Uh, what is the answer for Andre Dillard? You know, I, I wish I had one Austin and I think they wish they had one too, but <laughs> I, I don't I, get, I do set. wish I, I wish they had one. I wish anyone had one. Honestly, I'll take anyone's <laughs> advice for what Miles, to do with him. Garrett had some pointers, right? It'd be nice if they would get him on here and, and tell us what uh, what Andre Dillard has to yeah. do differently. Should the Titans hire Miles Garrett as a consultant? <laughs> People are asking. My article coming soon. Um, no, <laughs> no uh, look, I don't get the sense that they're going to pull the plug on this thing this week. I mean, we don't know yet. They haven't practiced. We haven't seen how they're lining up, but what you know a couple of things tell me that first of all they paid him 10 million dollars or close to 10 million dollars over three years i don't think you do that and then pull the plug after three games like uh and then they knew it was a risk look thankfully they structured it fairly wisely right where they can get out of it rather quickly but i still don't think you give a guy 30 million over three years and you pull the plug after three games if you're willing to do that you probably shouldn't have given them the contract that you did right three games is a fairly small sample size um mike vrabel when he spoke earlier this week it didn't sound like a coach that was ready to make a change at that position. He did crack the window open, I guess, for the possibility when he said, well, we'll see who we have available this week and we'll go from there. Now, if you want to galaxy brain it, you know, maybe he means if Peter Skronsky's back, they try him at left tackle. I absolutely do not see that happening. You know, maybe I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't see that being the case. Maybe I, I think what's likelier if Peter Skronsky's back is, of course, he reclaims his starting job at left guard and you move Dylan Radins to left tackle. You know, everyone knows that was the position he played in college. If they were going to make a change, I think that's the one that would make the most sense. I don't anticipate they're going to make the change now. Um, look, if you want to feel better about the chances of them making a change, they were pretty quick to yank Xavier Newman Johnson a couple weeks ago, right after two bad series. They replaced him in the lineup with Dylan Radins. But then again, the 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 smart football guy in me then has got a whole lot more invested in Andre Dillard than they do in Xavier Newman Johnson, right? So the leash is probably longer for Dillard. And look, I'm going to say a few more unpopular things here. Um, he's been really good as a run blocker for the most part. I think that's part of the reason they signed him. He's an athletic specimen. He's a perfect fit for the outside zone. And, and, he, and he has been good 
as a run blocker. The other unpopular thing I'm going to say, and everyone got off their tweets, and I'm not calling anyone out because I'm very bad at remembering who tweets what, but I saw a whole lot of Dennis Daly gave up 12 sacks last year. Yeah, yeah. Andre Dillard's on pace to give up 34 and he's on pace to give up triple the amount of pressures. That shit bothers me because first of all, it's like, it's like when a guy hits a home run in, or three home runs, sorry, in his first game and we start getting off the, he's on pace to hit 977 home runs this year. Like, yeah, you know, it's been three games and after a game where he gave up three sacks. Yeah, of course, you know, if you're extrapolating the numbers to 17 games, they don't look good and they look worse than Dennis Daly. And he's not as bad as Dennis Daly. He has not been as bad as Dennis Daly. He won't be as bad as Dennis Daly if he starts the whole year. And I, I don't know why, you know, maybe it's a recency bias thing. Dennis Daly was the worst tackle in the league last year. I don't think Andre Dillard's going to be the worst tackle in the league if he plays the whole year. Maybe I'll look like a fool. Maybe I'll be wrong. But I don't think we're quite in that category uh, right now with Andre Dillard. It will be interesting to see how the Titans monitor this thing going forward. Um, The last thing I'll say, and I'm sorry if I got a lot of a little long winded here, but after that game and this is going back to the negative side of it. I saw a lot of people say and come to his defense and say, Oh, well, you know, it's not going to be miles Garrett every week. Calm down. I sat back and I said, I don't know that the average Titan fan realizes how good Trey Hendrickson is. And that's the town in week four. Well, you know right. what happened? Every Titans fan watched the Bengals on Monday Night Football because it was nationally televised. And oh, said, yeah. Oh, shit. This Trey Hendrickson guy is pretty good. Well, I could have told you that a few days ago. He's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He's one of the most underrated pass rushers in the NFL. The Bengals got a steal when they signed him in three years, 45 million. In fact, they've already had to redo that deal because he's been so good uh, throughout the time with the Bengals. So the challenge will be monumental for Dillard on Sunday. Certainly, I don't want to call it a bounce back opportunity because that's a matchup that certainly favors Trey Hendrickson. But if he doesn't get his ish right and he doesn't write this ship, he's certainly in trouble. And it's not just Trey Hendrickson. They've got Hubbard. They've got DJ Reader on the interior. It's it's a tough matchup for that Titans uh, offensive line. But I tell me if I'm foolish for this, Justin. <laughs> the Titans offensive line looked okay in week one with Skaronsky out there. So while Skaronsky's appendix is probably the X factor in my book this week as they get ready for this game, if he's back out there, it's hard for me to to believe that Dillard's issues will continue like this just simply because of the help that Skaronsky can bring on that left side. Am I foolish to think that? I mean, I, I still give the advantage to Trey Hendrickson, certainly. But one thing you didn't mention, Jack, is it was pretty good in week two as well. I thought now, and they gave, I know they gave up a couple of sacks, but I, I didn't think the O-line was terrible in week two against the Chargers. I thought it was, in fact was pretty good. I think their pass block win rate was like uh, 12th or 13th in the league uh, following week two through two weeks. So, uh, and, and it's funny, I went on a bunch of shows last week to preview the Browns game and everyone, every Browns host asked me about the O-line. And I said, you know, it's been good through two weeks, but I think everyone's still sort of holding their breath because we expected it all to be so bad, A, based on how bad it was last year, and B, based on the unknowns entering mm-hmm. the year. The unknowns being Dillard, being Skaronsky, being Aaron Brewer, uh, Aaron Brewer, excuse me, switching positions, being Chris Hubbard, and being a low-cost right guard replacement for Nate Davis. So five question marks. Uh, and after week two, I know I was still holding my breath like, 
is it actually going to be good? Like, is it is it going to be not? I mean, hell, I, I would sign up for league average. You know, is it going to be league average? That would be nice. And that's why I wasn't totally sold. You had to see a larger sample size. And I said it on, on a Browns podcast last week. They're probably going to have a stinker at some point, right? It's just who they are. It's who this team has been over the last couple of week, uh, years. And lo and behold, that stinker certainly arrived in week three where mm-hmm. they almost had as many penalty yards as they had total yards of offense. I don't know if you saw that stat, but that is hilariously bad. They had 80 yards uh, in penalties and 94 yards uh, in net offense. So um, yes, Skaronsky back certainly helps. I thought he was their best lineman in week one. Granted, he's only played one game. You know what? It says a lot about this O-line that going into the year, he was the one I was most confident in. And he's a rookie that's switching positions. And I still have the most confidence in him. And I'll probably be right about that. I think he'll be their best performing lineman uh, for the rest of this season when he's in the lineup. So uh, I I get what you're saying. He definitely, hopefully, you know, raises the basement for them, so to speak. Uh, But certainly the challenge is still going to be big against this talented Bengals line. The last seven weeks of last season still give me night terrors. Uh, is there any <laughs> hope in the fact of Nicholas Petit Friere rejoining this group that he'll be able to make a difference on this offensive line? Or will we still have the issues that we're having? I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because I didn't love that pick when they made it. And let me let me rephrase a little. Um, yeah, as you guys know, I do a lot of work over at the draft network, uh, watched a lot of tape on him. There was some first round buzz on him at one point, And I didn't understand that my evaluation told me he was like a second or third round tackle. And then the Titans ended up picking him in that range. So I patted myself on the back and said, yeah, this guy was never a first round tackle. They took him where he should have gone. They didn't reach, but he was a third round tackle. That's where they got him. Um, I thought Nicholas petit Friere's best friend last season was Dennis Daly. Because if it hmm. wasn't how, for how bad Dennis Daly was, I think we would have focused a lot more on how bad Nicholas petit Friere was. I don't think he was good as a rookie. The things that concern me is I don't think he got better as the year went on. Like I think back to Nate Davis's rookie year, for example. Small schooler out of Charlotte. They, they threw him into the lineup. I think it was week three. If everyone remembers the primetime game where Calais Campbell made, uh, who was it? Oh, Jamil Douglas. He made Jamil Douglas his adopted son. If everyone remembers that game where Calais Campbell just went nuts in that game mm-hmm. and they took Douglas out of the lineup and they replaced him with a rookie third rounder in Nate Davis. And as the year went on, Nate Davis got better. Like you saw the light bulb start to come on for him, even as a rookie. In my opinion, that didn't really happen for Petit Friere last year. Like it just, he was making the same mistakes. If you ran a stunt or a game, you had him. He just wasn't able to adapt, it felt like, to the mental aspect of playing the position professionally. And then this year, um, he played a little in the preseason. I don't like to take a, I don't like to put a lot of stock into the preseason, but he was really bad when he played in the preseason this past year. So until I see a reason to think that it's going to be different, until he gives me a reason to believe he's a long-term solution, um, I, I frankly don't think he is. Let me ask you this, because, you know, I think just having him back as an option gives you depth at tackle, whereas right now you have absolutely none. Is there a chance that we see some flip flopping like Andre Dillard played right tackle for Philadelphia? And if it's not going to be Skaronsky at left tackle, could Hubbard or NPF make the switch over there and succeed? Hubbard's had a pretty strong season so far, and I don't know if the Titans are going to, you know, look to 
turn over every single stone in order to fix this huge problem at left tackle or just let Dillard ride out the bad times. And hopefully, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel comes up soon. But is there is with MPF coming back, is there an opportunity to maybe move Hubbard to left tackle and let MPF step in as right? Or maybe he's just flip flop Hubbard and Dillard altogether. Well, it's good to have options, right? I'll say that. Like when Nicholas Petit for year gets back, you have another option, a guy that I think they should probably be considering a bit more than they are. And, and look, uh, professionals know better than I do, but Justin Murray on the practice squad, I thought played really well during the preseason to the point where some of us thought he was maybe going to get into the mix for the starting right tackle job. And I actually, I, I said the practice squad, but I, I think he might be back on the 53 man roster. I'm not, they've been churning this thing so damn much. Mm -hmm. He's still an, he's an option. I'd like to see get considered again. When Petit Freer comes back, that's an option. Flipping Peter Skaronsky, flipping Dylan Radins, moving Chris Hubbard. Hubbard certainly got the most experience there out of any of them. So maybe that's an option, but I'm going to say another thing that's going to maybe sound a little pessimistic. You talk about flipping Dillard and Hubbard and, I don't really think it matters in today's NFL because NFL defenses are, have become a lot better at just identifying where the advantageous matchup is and taking advantage of it. Like 10, 15 years ago, every best pass rusher in the NFL lined up opposite the left tackle. And that's why it was so much more important. Left tackles got paid way more than right tackles got paid. And certainly, you know, it's still quote unquote, the blind side. So I, I get that it's, it's still a, bit more valuable than uh than the right tackle position is but things have changed i mean if the titans put chris hubbard at left tackle this week for example and put andre dillard at right tackle guess where trey hendrickson's lining up on sunday <laughs> yeah they're gonna put him opposite the right tackle at andre dillard and take their chances so i don't think that's really a solution the solution which is a lot harder than it sounds is to find a way to either get andre dillard playing better or to replace them and get better play from whoever you put at left tackle. <laughs> to us, uh, Lord Voldemort around these parts is Todd Downing. Uh, he's the, <laughs> you know, the man who shall go unnamed. And um, obviously it is, I uh, speaking of my night tears, uh, they flare up whenever I, I think about the offense last season. You know, they could not go over, they went over 24 points once, and that was only to score 27 points. And, uh, failed to get anywhere close to that the rest of the season. And I, uh, you know, I, I was very, very excited uh, at the start of this season knowing, okay, Todd Downing is gone. Let's see Tim Kelly do his work. If he, you know, if he did a little bit of magic with the Houston Texans, uh, a team that was, you know, uh, uh, a void of all talent, let's see what he can do with, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, DeAndre Hopkins, and this slew of young talent that the Titans have. We're now three games into the season, and Tim Kelly has done something with this offense that Todd Downing has never done. In fact, he's done it twice with this offense, and that's failed to score a touchdown. Is there any cause for concern Is in the fact that – I mean, is it even concern with Tim Kelly? Is it Tim Kelly's – reasoning that this team can't score or or should i be placing blame somewhere because you know i am a member of titans twitter and we have to place blame on someone uh at, at all times so is is tim kelly the guy no um i i think tim kelly has been an upgrade 
over Todd Downing. And, you know, I've watched the all 22 of all three games. And I think, you know, I think he's been a better play caller. I think generally speaking, the designs have been better. I think the route combinations have been better. I feel very, very confident in saying that Tim Kelly is a better offensive coordinator than Todd Downing. What I've seen, again, using a technical eye, I feel confident in saying he's been better. But the results have to be better, right? It's a results-based business, and they're scoring, what, uh, 12, 13 points a game right now? They're they're right near the bottom of the league in points per game, and, and that's all that matters. But, no, I don't think it's a Tim Kelly issue right now. I think it's a talent issue. Look, at some point, football is pretty simple. You have to be able to block. And against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, they couldn't block your grandmother, right? Like, they just they couldn't <laughs> block anybody. Right. Like we talked a lot about Andre Dillard and I get that he was the one that was losing in pass pro time and time again, miles Garrett abused them out there. I get that. But all five of them were bad essentially in run blocking, right? Like they did not win. Like every, how many times did Derrick Henry get gang tackled at the line of scrimmage by three or four Browns defenders? That's not an Andre Dillard issue. That's a collective issue. So at some point football is simple. You've got to be able to block. And there's a whole, when it goes bad for them, there's a whole lineup of toxic issues that makes them as bad as they are, right? Like if they can't pass block and they can't run block, Ryan Tannehill, as much as I, I still think he by far gives them the best chance to win football games, it's not a great combination for him right now because he's not very good at extending the pocket. And he's, he, you know, he doesn't have a great feel for pressure and he doesn't always get the ball out of his hands on time. And some of that also has to do with creating separation amongst the receivers, right? Like Traylon Burks was really bad in that game on Sunday. I've seen some people talk about it on Twitter and it it feels like you're not allowed to criticize Traylon Burks. There've been a lot of people coming to his defense. The reality is he was really, really bad on Sunday. He dropped a lot of balls that he's got to catch. That's what they're paying him. That's why they use the first round pick. They're paying him to make plays. He's got to make those plays when they come his way. So there's a whole ton of issues. It's, it's the offensive line not being able to block. It's the quarterback not being the type of quarterback that extends plays, gets outside the pocket, and, and makes stuff happen. Um, and it's the receivers maybe not creating separation or, or, or inopportune drops. Now, and I want to say this about Tannehill. He's always been the same guy. Like when they were scoring 30 points a game in 2019 and 2020, he still wasn't a quarterback that was extending plays and getting out of the pocket. This is not a new issue. What was the difference then is they blocked for him and they had playmakers, right? They had a great offensive line and they had some weapons, right? They had AJ Brown, as we all know. So this is not a Ryan Tannehill's gotten worse discussion. No, he's the same guy that he's always been. He's not someone that's going to elevate when the talent around him falters. And right now it's faltering in a major, major way. Now, in defense of my grandmother, the Titans couldn't block her because uh, she wasn't all pro back in 1946. Wow. I just want that to be known. <laughs> Just, Justin, we talked about kind of where, where the Bengals have an edge on the Titans, but are there any areas the Titans can look to expose against Cincinnati this week? It's the NFL, right? There's going to be strengths and weaknesses across the board. You've got a hobbled Joe Burrow coming in. Where do you see the Titans kind of taking advantage of some of the stuff that the Bengals have put on tape so far? Yeah, certainly. I, I you know, And I do think there are some... 
Joe Burrow did not look like himself on Monday Night Football by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, that calf injury that he's playing through is fairly serious. He is not moving around well at all. I mean, he was never a guy that's really going to extend the pocket, but it's so much worse now. At least that's what it appears to me. And they tried their best to protect him, right? Like they were getting the ball out of his hands quick. Right. Like in that first half, especially there was one part, there was one portion during the second quarter where they showed a graphic on the screen. Uh, it was from next gen stats. The average air yards per Joe Burrow attempt was two yards, two yards per average air yard attempt. Now it improved as the game went on, but that just showed you how scared they are of that injury and how much they're trying to protect him. So there are a few ways the Titans can try to offset that. And this is, it, it concerns me because it's, it's not something, it's not typically their mantra, I guess is what I should say. You get up in the face of those opposing receivers and you try to take away the quick game, right? You don't let them, he was hitting tight ends for three yards, four yards, right? Like they were content to dink and dunk because they didn't want him to sit back there and risk getting hit. If you try to take that away, you force him to go away from his first read, go through his progressions, his second read, his third read. There are a couple ways to do that. Again, as I said, you're bringing up your DBs into the face and you're not losing, by the way, you're not losing right away. That's the one catch with that, right? Is if you're bringing up those DBs, you can't lose right off the line of scrimmage. And I'd worry about that a little, right? With Jamar Chase and T Higgins, but that might be your best opportunity to force Joe Burrow to hold on to the football. You got to get some wins, right? Some early wins in those reps uh, and, and force them to go through those progressions. Because what does that do? That gives this D-line time to get to him. And this is a better D line um, than it is a good Bengals O line. And I look at one matchup in particular, their rookie left guard. I, I think he's a rookie still. He's sophomore, if not, but time escapes me. Cordell Volson out of North Dakota state who liked Dylan Ravens, by the way, played tackle there and is now playing guard for them. He had a 0.0 pass blocking grade on Monday via pro football focus. That's almost unheard of. <laughs> well, who was he going up against? Aaron Donald. Yes. You know, yeah. potentially still the best interior D lineman in the league, well, Jeffrey Simmons ain't far off, right? Like you love the matchup between Jeffrey Simmons and Cordell Volson. So that's a matchup you'd like to exploit. How do you do it? You give your D-line time to get to the quarterback. You do that by covering up those receivers, taking away the first read. Another option, by the way, if you're not, uh, you know, and, and this might be the way they go in my opinion. And I say that because they haven't really gotten in the face of opposing receivers this year, right? They've been content to try to limit the explosive plays, keep everything in front of them, force you to dink and dunk. Um, so I don't know that they'll be getting into the face of Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Well, what's the alternative rushing maybe three, four max drop, dropping seven or eight into those zones. And, and, and when you're dropping seven or eight, you know, chances are the quarterback is going to have a tough time getting the football out of his hands quickly. Cause Oh my, where am I throwing this ball? Right. When you're dropping seven or eight. And, and if your D line is good enough, which they think it is, that gives you enough time to get to the quarterback, even rushing just three, F again, four max, because you're dropping at least seven into these zones uh, with the way the Bengals are playing and the way they're, you know, that sort of the, the ceiling has been limited by the Joe Burrow injury. So there are a couple of ways that they could have the upper hand in this matchup. Uh, it's going to come down to coaching and what the strategy is. On your way out the door, uh, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the Titans winning the game, on Sunday, one being four. them losing. You're at a four. Okay, I'm, all right, I'm, good. That's higher than I am, which is be honest, to be honest. I, 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 you know, I, I'd like to think, you know, with the hampered Burrow, um, that they're going to have a chance to do some things defensively and certainly put together a better performance. 
Um, they're at home. You know, Jeffrey Simmons talked about how excited they are to play at home and, and correct the mistakes. And Mike Vrabel talked about it being a culture defining moment for them. And, and typically, you know, all of those things have worked in their favor, right? When they've had a blown out loss and, and, and they've been few, right? And, and far between all, honestly, in the Mike Vrabel area, it hasn't happened a lot. Uh, the Mike Vrabel era, I should say, they typically have responded well to those situations. Now, the reason I'm only at a four is because Joe Burrow is still one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. He is 3-0 against the Tennessee Titans. He has completely owned them throughout the early portion of his career. You talk about some of the struggles with the corners. As much as I defended Christian Fulton earlier, I still think they're like league average at best at cornerback, maybe you know, probably below average. And I don't like the matchup with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and, and everyone else they have, even though that Bengals passing attack certainly looked off on Monday with a hampered burrow with T Higgins, uh, you know, a couple of drops, not being himself. Uh, I, I'm at a, I'm at a four. I, I would probably, I, I would be predicting a Bengals win. I, I need to see it. I, I'm kind of with you, Austin, right? Like I need to see it to believe it. And right now I think even, even though the Bengals are quote unquote shorthanded, I think they've got too much talent um, for this Titans team. Yeah, real quick story before you go. I once saw the Titans sack Joe Burrow nine times in a game and fail to get a W in that. Why do you have to bring that up? I don't remember that one. Why do you have to bring that up? Thank you. I was just just sharing a story, guys. Uh, I follow. I think that was a dream. How about this? How about last year? You remember going into the regular season game last year? There was a whole lot of like revenge storyline out there. Titans get a chance to get revenge. Nah, Joe Burrow just pulled out another close victory for the second. I year know, in the world, so. and it was tied going into the fourth quarter. It's and when you hear the story, because Joe Burrow's his helmet cut out in that divisional round loss for the last two minutes, he had to call the whole drive. It, it seems like he's got kind of an Andrew Luck type of ownership over the Titans, but hopefully yeah. that ends. It's a good time to catch him, though. I, I'd rather get him now. Than down Certainly. down the road late in the season. Certainly, so that's my silver lining. Yeah, it's uh, it yeah. There was that storyline of revenge last year. This year, it's more of an Oliver Twist storyline, where it's just the Titans being like, "Please, sir, can I have some more?" Uh, or, or in this case, "Can I have any, sir? Please." <laughs> Justin Mello guys follow him on Twitter. No joke. Very much worth a follow. Uh, You know, we always talk about building up your timelines full of really good Twitter follows, especially when it comes to the Titans. And Justin is just that Um, at Justin M underscore NFL. You can check out his work with the draft network. Check out his work with Broadway TN. Honestly, he's, he's one of our, our favorite uncles that comes on this podcast because he is, his knowledge of the game and uh, the Titans and specifically just so deep and so great. Uh, Justin, you make Jack and I feel, I'm not even going to say smarter. You make us feel smart by coming on just uh, you because that is something we do not have in this podcast so thank you well look the pleasure was all mine austin quick shout out man the the court bats video with uh, who was it with the good morning football guy talking about the podcast had me me in tears so uh, (laughs) fantastic stuff as always no you guys are too kind the pleasure is all mine uh thanks for having me on and you always know where to find me Flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Thanks again to Justin Mello for joining us. And as Jack alluded to earlier in the podcast, it is Bengals week. 
Shout out to the Cincinnati Bengals. It is a uh, a big game. Uh, a team that has had the Titans number, and Justin Mello brought this up, uh, the Joe Burrow undefeated against the Titans in his career. And that dates back to the Joe Burrow, like, lousy, uh, his rookie year when the Bengals were absolutely terrible. They, they still got one over on the Titans. Now, that one um, was in Cincinnati. And as we have said about Cincinnati Stadium, formerly known as uh, Paul Brown Stadium, it, that is a bank, that is a shadow stadium. And it is we know if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know how we feel about shadow stadiums. Um, and I think that is the epitome of shadow stadiums. And so obviously you're not going to not going to get one there. But this Bengals team I think this is a game we probably all felt better, better about probably four days ago, probably on Saturday thinking, okay, you've got the Browns on Sunday. Hopefully you get a win there. And then you've got the Bengals coming to town with a banged up Joe Burrow who didn't look like he was going to play. Sure enough, he goes out Monday night uh, against the Rams does play does not. He looks like a shell of himself, but a shell of himself is still pretty decent There's a lot of and, teams in the league that would take a shell of joe burrow at quarterback exactly so um now and they get to one and two they beat the rams in just a hard-fought game and joe burrow is clearly fine he'll have a week of well a short w- week of rest to gear up for the titans and then but to me again jack not to echo myself from the when we previewed the browns game but it's this defense that worries me. It's this Bengals defense that has to go up against this Titans offense. And frankly, I don't know if the Titans can put up anything or at least create a game plan better around. And that's the what I would like to see them do better this week than what they did last week was, look, if you can't, if, if Andre Dillard can't block anything, then well, at very least yeah. you, you, you game plan around that. You scheme around that shorter, you know, three-step drops as opposed to five-step drops, maybe, um, you know, quicker, quicker pass routes, uh, maybe run the ball, not to his side of the field. I'm, I don't know. I mean, he is a good run blocker as Justin Miller brought up, but, but like, you understand what I'm saying? Like maybe, maybe the Titans will, and maybe I'm giving them too much. Credit Look, here, if, but if Andre Dillard sucks again, if Andre Dillard sucks again, there's nothing you can do. I, there, there's nothing. If he sucks again, then the Titans are going to lose. It's as simple as that. There's no, there's no need to dissect really. Oh, well, if Andre Dillard's bad, what's going to happen? They're going to lose. That's what's going to happen. But there, there are a couple of areas where I think the Titans can take advantage of And the Bengals defense. Yeah, sure. They looked good. Sure. They put a lot of heat on Matt Stafford on Monday night, but they did allow over five yards of carry to Kyron Williams. And he's no Derrick Henry. I think we can all agree on that. So that's an area where the Titans can look to just pound the rock and you know, hopefully, you know, w- when you keep chopping that tree, hopefully you send one in there that knocks it down. And maybe a big 20, 25-yard touchdown run from Henry is the one that knocks it all down. But my my where I have optimism here is actually on the Titans' defensive side, going up against a, a, a dangerous Bengals offense. Now you have Joe Burrow, who they literally waited until like an hour before the game to say, okay, yeah, he's going to play. And that was on an extended week of rest. They roll him out there and make him throw 50 times. I understand he said after the game that there were no setbacks, but playing and throwing the ball 50 times with Aaron Donald breathing down your neck, you're not getting healthier. 
right? Like there's no way you can come out of that game healthier than you were. And now you're on a short week. And, and, and the thing, like since Burrow can't use that calf to push the ball downfield and there's stats to back that up. I think he's, let, let me find this. I think he's two for 19 on passes of 15 plus yards down the field, which is great because this is a Titan secondary who's only allowing explosive plays. It seems. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where they've been hurt so badly so far this year. And Burrow, two for 19 on 15-plus passes down, down the field, averaging just 2.2 yards per attempt. Now, that's a huge step back from the 13.2 yards per attempt he was averaging in 2022 on these same passes. And another area where I think the Titans can really mess things up for this Bengals offense, the Rams were bringing pressure up the middle with Aaron Donald, right? Like Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry hopefully are going to be able to do the same thing. But where the Titans can really make Joe Burrow squirm is bringing the heat off the edge so i think harold landry arden key rashad weaver those three guys are the key to victory this week because if you're coming from around the edge you're going to make him step up into the pocket and what do you do when you have to step up you have to push off that back calf in order to climb back up in the pocket that's not something that he wants to do so i think the titans have a couple ways to get to this Bengals offense and Justin Mello mentioned, you know, you got to play up on them. Well, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to beat you deep. They haven't beaten anybody deep all season. I, I feel I feel optimistic just that the Titans can keep this low scoring. And potentially, you never know what happens if you turn Burrow over. You know, you know the Titans didn't turn it over this week and got killed. But if you make a play with that defense, maybe you're able to return it. Maybe, maybe it's a fumble, you know, deep in their own territory. I, I just think that the Titans defense is going to keep them in the ballgame this week. The, and that's the thing. I, I feel confident in the Titans defense to contain, potentially even stop the Bengals offense. However, I also feel confident in the Bengals defense to contain and stop the Titans offense. Uh, so I guess it's, you know, which which is which is more. Jack, I. The other day. I picked up my daughter from daycare as I do every day of the week and while i was walking in to this daycare keep in mind i live in suburban chicago right now as i am walking in i see a guy walking behind me close enough to where i'm probably gonna have to hold the door open for him and i see he's wearing a jersey of some sort or like a t-shirt jersey a jersey if you will and it's black and orange and I'm thinking, well, surely, surely that's got to be a Oregon State jersey, right? Made the trip to Chicago. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Chicago wins. Look, it's a melting pot of people from all over the country. Uh, surely this guy went to Oregon State, Beaverton. They got a good team this year. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, ar arguably one of the better teams in the pack, too. <laughs> They just lost to the other one, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, so they're they're in second, but they're also in last. They're also one I, game out of first. So I'm thinking, okay, this Beavers fan, I'll, I'll hold the door open. But as he's walking closer, I notice that on the little lettering above the number on his chest, like right there on his sternum, it doesn't say Beavers. It says, and I'll translate this for you so you understand, it says Bingles. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'm like, I, and I didn't see that on his 
shirt until after I was already opening the door for him. Jack, on Monday morning or Monday afternoon, I held the door open for a Bengals fan. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Because I texted you, I texted you almost right away. And I just said, I just held the door open for a Bengals fan. Uh, Well, I said a Bengals fan and you were like, who? And I, and then I had to text it again, a Bengals fan. And I, you said, you came away with a, with a take right away that I did not even think of to me. I was looking at it as a negative. I was looking at it as a, as a negative that the, that the, I just held the door open for this, this guy who has owned us for the last three or four seasons. Luckily, since it was the Monday after a terrible performance by the Titans, I was not wearing my Titans hat. So he did not recognize me as a Titans fan. Most of the time I do wear my Titans hat. Well, if you were wearing your Titans hat, maybe he would have bought you like a, bought you a lunch or something after all the, all the joy he's had. Yeah. Coming at our expense. All the money I've probably earned him over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, If he's a gambling man. Yeah. But maybe he's like you and bets against his favorite team. Okay. Too soon, dude. Too soon. All right. Um, so, but then I texted you and you said, no, that's good. You're getting all of the good karma coming the Titans way because look, we need karma as Travis Kelsey's girlfriend says, karma is a boyfriend, right? Karma is a, is a cat and a, and a breeze and all of that acrobats. I don't know what, what she says, but you, you know where I'm going with this. So I, did I get good karma for the Titans? Is that what you're saying, basically? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, look, you can build karma in a variety of different ways. The Titans have been unintentionally building karma, good karma against the Bengals for you know some time now. I mean, the Bengals have won seven out of their last nine. Joe Burrow hadn't lost to the Titans. And it's really, it's not just that Burrow is beating the Titans. It's in the fashion that he's doing it. And it's heartbreaking. It's soul-snatching. I mean, it's all, it's all of the worst ways and that it's, it's, it's tough, but I do think that, you know, your situation could be looked at one of two ways. One, it's like, oh yeah, you're just going to let, you know, the school bully just, you're going to hold the, hold the door open for the guy who's been giving you swirlies for the past three years. Yeah. That's the way it kind of felt. Yeah. But no, I say, I say, nay, I I say you're doing the Titans a favor by this. In, In fact, I encourage all Titans fans to hold doors for Bengals fans this week. Look, <laughs> let them hey, let, let them walk easily into their coffee shops and their nukes and, and you know, having a, a nice steakhouses. If you see any of them, I don't know why you'd be wearing a Bengals jersey to a nice steakhouse, but they do that. Look, it's no, Bengal- they, they There are no rules. Yeah, Bengals fans would do that. They would wear, uh, they would wear, and this guy was wearing an Andy Dalton jersey. So they would wear uh, a Chad Ochocinco jersey to a though, steakhouse. Because- you know he's felt the pain that the Titans fans feel right now, having to go through those Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis years. Yeah, so so at least true. you can kind of rest easily at night just thinking about that. But build the karma. Build it, like what, what we've been doing, the hatred, the Bengals hate week, it will continue, by the way. But it just hadn't been working. So maybe we try and be nice to Bengals fans. Okay. All right. So that's if you just, take one thing. That's how, that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. If you take one thing away from this podcast this week, hold the door open for a Bengals fan. Do it. All right. Look, what else? What do we have to lose? Honestly, we can do our part. Okay. Look, I'm not a believer in karma, but I will. I will. If I see that Bengals fan again at daycare, I'm going here in just a little bit. If I see, 
if I were you, I would follow him around this week. I, w- <laughs> I would I would borderline stalk this man and just find every door he's about to walk into and just sprint in front of him and say, here you go, sir. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be enough. It, you know, one door hold should equal like one point. So if you do it like six times, maybe the Titans will be able to score a touchdown this week. I don't know. Look, I'm desperate. I'm willing to try anything. And if if you're telling me this could work, I'm willing to try it. So, and I think Titans fans, we should all take that uh, philosophy this week. So hold the door open for a Bengals fan this week. And maybe we can will our Titans uh, honestly, at this point, I'm not even looking for a victory. Just the end zone. If you, if we could will the Titans in cross the goal line, all right, that would be great. And not <laughs> not on a punt, all right, on an actual touchdown. It's um, in karma's hands now. All right, this is the Tighten Up Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Tighten Up Podcast. You follow A to Z Sports and all things socials, of course. As always, great great content coming out of there for uh during titan season and uh more fun ridiculous content coming from uh our handles at tighten up pod at tighten up podcast you can follow jack on twitter at jack a gentry you can follow myself at austin huff jack do you have anything for the road as a matter of fact i do austin and that's that the bingles excuse me not the bingles another big cat the jaguars are having trouble with their first place schedule this year. It seems oh, one and two. Jack, we didn't even get to that man. That and, I, and like keeping up with the rest of the division. CJ Stroud looks okay actually, but I am not worried that the Colts are winning the division right now because if anyone knows the come down after a major high, it's Jim Irsay, and yeah. the the Colts are setting themselves up for a major come down. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a great point. And look, what did I say in the off season about the Jaguars? Doug Peterson after a Super Bowl. I mean, like, look, you can't buy into the hype. Like, I, I, it, it's weird. They're, the fact that they lost to the Texans of all teams. And look, you know, we spent a lot of times on this podcast laughing. They got the dragged by the Texans. Maybe, maybe we don't laugh at the Texans for a while. Like, maybe CJ Stroud is really good. Uh, but I don't know. It's weird that CJ Stroud is playing what we thought Trevor Lawrence was going to play like this year. And the Jaguars is, they're just, They've played really bad. And I look, it's again, it's still very early. And the, the Jaguars started off rough last season and obviously went on a run to end the year. But I like to look at a larger sample size. And Doug Peterson, the year after they won the Super Bowl, he only had one more year left in Philly before he was shown the door. So, and Jacksonville's last year was, expectations are a little different. The bar well, is yes. a, a little lower to the ground. No, 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 no. But but what my point is was last year was the Jaguars Super Bowl. True, obviously, winning a playoff never, game. Yeah, they're never going to go to one. So them coming back against the Chargers in that uh, wild card round was their Super Bowl. Oh, while we're on the topic of the Jaguars, another crazy fact. Guess how many times the Jaguars have been on Monday Night Football since 2012? Oh, uh, none. None. Did you see yeah. that graphic? I the next lowest teams, which the Titans are a part of, uh, have been eight times since. Yeah. That's, Man, that's, a, that's another level of poverty right there. It really is. Now, say, Thursday hey, you know night what? football, they are the house band for Thursday night football. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hey, how about instead of putting you on Monday night football and letting you get all this national exposure, how about we just send you to London once once a year? 
Yeah. You just treat yourself to some bangers and mash over. In well, and now they're having uh, they're you know, they're looking for a billion dollars of taxpayer money. And if they don't get it, they're going to they're threatening to move away. Look, they're setting up. They are paving their streets they're, I'm saying they're paving their streets with gold on the way to, on the road to London. They are doing everything they can to get out of Dodge. And by Dodge, I mean, Duval. Um, <laughs> so that it is, I Jacksonville is, you think we have it down bad Titans fans. At least nobody picked the Titans to pick, to win the AFC South. You know, the Titans as on, that's the one nice thing that I love about being underdogs is like when you're an underdog, Nobody expects you to do anything. And so when you don't do anything, nobody thinks twice. But the Jaguars, people were like, oh, wow, Jaguars are sucking this year because everyone expected them to be amazing. And now they're not. So just the way the world works. It's hard to win the division title consecutive times. The Jaguars are finding that out the hard way. And I'm not getting in the middle of it. I'm going to let them crash and burn on their own. Yeah. Look, I'm telling you, do not undermine me when I say Doug Peterson, after having great success, returns back to earth very quickly as Doug Peterson. Now, am I dancing on the grave a little too soon? Maybe, you know, we haven't even hit spooky season. So that zombie could still come out of the ground and ravish us all like they did last year. But as of right now, they're sucking just as bad as we are. So it is nice to have a friend, you know, misery loves company. (laughs) Right. Uh, All right. We need to get out of here. Uh, Uh, your your homework for this week open a door for a Bengals fan and tweet at us right after you do it alright with all of that said until next week tighten up. tighten up they're the Tennessee Titans they're the Tennessee Titans